This is Shi'ar Jeshub, coming from Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Today, we will be continuing the Heavenly Authority series with Pastor Greg Scalzo. When we left off, Pastor read from 2 Samuel 23, 7, where it says, The sons of rebellion will be as thorns thrust away, but that the man who touches them must be armed, filled with iron. Let's rejoin Pastor Greg. It's important for all Christians, and especially those, again, in leadership, to be armed, to be filled with iron, to be able to flick the evil demons away, because they're going to come after God's people. Just the way you have the physical picture in the Old Testament, the Philistines and the Amorites and all those nations come against Israel, and they're not satisfied until Israel is destroyed. They want Israel destroyed because they want God stopped. They're sons of rebellion. And as they hate God and have no fear for him, they hate his people. And so it requires to be filled with iron. And so appropriately, he then names these mighty men, men that are filled with iron. And he gives the name of the first three, and then another three, and then the 30, and then he, he gives Uriah the Hittite in that list. All together, you read down in verse... In verse 39, after it says in Uriah the Hittite, 37 in all, you have these 37 men who do miraculous deeds, who do mighty works, spectacular works in the service of David. They're men of iron. They're men that can come against the Philistines. They're men that can deliver Israel. God has a purpose and a plan for David. And part of David's task then Obviously, we know there's a larger task he has, and those psalms speak of them, right? Because they speak to us today. But in his day, he also had the important task of delivering Israel from the hands of her enemies. And these mighty men helped David in that job. They helped with deeds of strength, and they received special recognition by name. They're called by name in this chapter 23 of 2 Samuel to help, to acknowledge the fact that they've helped David fulfill his task of delivering Israel from her enemies. Today, God is looking for mighty men and women, men and women of iron, to join with the son of David in the special task of seeing the kingdom come, of binding up the enemies of God, of loosing freedom for God's people, of spreading the good news of salvation. What these men went up against, I think, was small in comparison to what Paul and Barnabas went up against when they walked into the center of the demonism of Rome and Greece and proclaimed to people that had been under bondage for generations the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the righteousness of God, the holiness of the Ten Commandments, and now proclaim to them that they can be made just in Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus. The demonic forces that try to keep them back, the shipwrecks, the beasts, the beatings, the stonings, the sickness, the disease, that try to stop those men, and not just Paul and Barnabas, all the disciples, the apostles that went out to preach, 
were in magnitude and power greater than all the Philistines. But God raised up men and women of iron to bring the gospel to a world that never heard it, that was so lost and so dark, lost in darkness and sin. And today God is looking for men and women of iron that can stand against the thorns and the sons of rebellion and help to usher in the return of Jesus Christ, the son of David. You cannot do it. We are weak, but we cannot do it in weakness. We have to turn and receive his strength. We are weak. We need his armor, but we can't do it if we don't put the armor of God on. We need to be of iron, armed with iron, filled with iron. Now, as we come to a close today, just a little aside, today is Mother's Day at the time that we're uh, reading these scriptures. And as we discuss the Psalms of David, throughout the Psalms, there is this dependence that David has upon God. This close relationship that David has when he cries out to God and he seeks God. Back in chapter 22 of 2 Samuel, you have a psalm that's the equivalent to Psalm 18. And I'm going to look at Psalm 18 right now. It's very similar to what you read back in chapter 22 of 2 Samuel. And it starts off, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and so shall I be saved from my enemies. The pangs of death surrounded me, and the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God, and he heard my voice from his temple, and my cry came before him even to his ears. So there's trouble, there's distress, there's tribulation, and yet David, through it all, he counts, he trusts, he loves the Lord God. God is his strength. There's this relationship, personal relationship of dependence, of requiring God to come in and deliver, of trusting God to come in and deliver. And today in Mother's Day, we celebrate mothers and motherhood. And motherhood is a sacred position. And in that spiritual image that, you know, there's certain images that when we see them, we all have the same reaction to them, at least as we're soft and, and fresh. Maybe as we harden our hearts, we don't. But all human beings will have a certain reaction, certain things when you see them. And God does that on purpose. Like we spoke about the beautiful morning it'll get the same reaction you as it gives to me. And that's meant for us to love the light, to love the morning, and the spiritual implications of that when Jesus is presented as the light, as the morning star, as the resurrection, we understand it. The image gives a powerful knowledge to us that words, that escape words. Well, when you see that image of a mother and a child, a mother with a newborn baby, it touches something inside of us, that dependence of that little child being so weak and so innocent and so in need, 
and the mother being able to provide for that need to protect the warmth. And it's not just a warmth of protection, it's a warmth of closeness, of a love relationship. They just met each other, the baby's newborn, and immediately there's that love. That love, that closeness, and you would see it and say, this is holy, this is good, this is pure, this is right. Paul uses it, that imagery, as an example uh, in 1 Thessalonians 2.7 when he says a nursing mother cherishing her own children, that she cherishes, the mother cherishes that baby, that love relationship, that closeness, that warmth, that holiness. And this time of year, we have Mother's Day, then we have next month Father's Day, we remember the commandment to honor your father and mother and to value those who have so cared for us. And also, it should be a time of recognition of the great responsibility before God in being a parent, the great responsibility of mothers and fathers to raise the children up, to cherish those children, to do that which God has naturally put inside of us. Remember the last days, people will even go against natural love. God places that natural affection inside of us. And how important then to nourish those children, and as we're told over and over in the scriptures, to teach the children, to teach them about the Lord God. Not just to give them the love of this world and the provision of this world, but to give them access to eternal love and eternal provision. And I would pray that on this Mother's Day, that holy image of the mother with the child, nursing, nourishing, cherishing the child, would be emblazoned on the minds of our young men and women. That they would learn then to treat each other and to act with respect. Every young woman will most likely be, or can be, someday a mother. And the respect deserved for that holy calling, I think, is missing many times from our young people because they're not taught it. That that's a sacred calling. It's a special calling. The ability to procreate and to bring forth these little children who will look up to you and want to know what's right and wrong as they ask you questions as they become toddlers and three and four and five and six and seven and ten and teenagers themselves. They will look to you and desire to know what's right. You become a source of information of goodness to them. And the procreation process has brought about this holy little person, then treat that process holy. And understand that as a parent, when they look to you, and seek information from you, then you'll have to look at yourself. And isn't it much better to treat yourself initially with respect? And respect the marriage relationship as holy. And preserve yourself for that day, rather than having to look back and see how you abuse something that God meant for good. And be in shame when God desires you to be in a position of holiness when you speak to your children. Every young lady can be a mother someday. And men should appreciate that when they go out with women and they date them, that either they'll be the mother of their children or the mother of someone else's children if, if it's not a right um, position. If they're not meant to be your wife, treat them wholly and with respect. The young people do not respect themselves in our days. They don't see past the immediate pleasures. 
and they're encouraged by their parents, right? The parents stick them off into colleges far away so they can't see what's going on. Don't tell me about it. Everyone laughs at the vacations in Cancun. But when you see those young girls in those commercials where they've gone wild, if someday they become our nation's mothers, what will that say about the children of the next generation? If they don't repent, how will those children be raised? The sin is magnifying, and if they do repent, look what they have as a burden to bring to the cross of Jesus Christ. This is not a small thing. This is one of the macro things in our society, that we've lost an image of the sacredness of being parents, of bringing forth children, of the union of a husband and a wife to bring forth these little ones made in the image of God, of respect for ourselves, respect for our bodies, and what God has planned for us. It sounds old and it sounds archaic, but with each time we tear it down, with each generation it gets torn a little more, there are people that were trapped in the nation's history into prostitution that would blush at some of the things that they're seeing on TV now. A free will. Our young women are throwing themselves into positions that have to affect later on their mothering ability. If you would like to write to us, you can reach us at Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle, P.O. Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. For Sunday service, we meet in Madison, Connecticut at the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane at 10 a.m. Please join us next time for Shear Jashub.